let's just go to an early call. Hello, Jonathan from Shortland. You've got a question about dog ramps for sedans. Uh, yes. Uh, we have a, a, an elderly Labrador. He's 13 and he's having trouble with arthritis. He's having trouble getting him in and out of the car. We have a, a sedan uh, and we've been looking into uh, getting a dog ramp uh, for him. Uh, the, 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 trouble, the problem is with, with a sedan, the, the, the door, uh, as you'll probably be aware, the, the, only swings open so far. And uh, the, the dog ramps we've been, we've been able to uh, investigate uh, are just straight ones that, that, uh, that don't allow... That, 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 that the opening door of a sedan uh, doesn't have the uh, width to accommodate the ramp. Okay. I'm... Yeah. So, Jonathan, with those dog ramps, some of them are designed, you know, for SUVs and things like that, where dogs just can't jump up that height, particularly as a dog is ageing or may have a disability. But there is another option that some people do use, and it's using the um, the ramps that you put your motorbikes on to get them into, the, like, the trailers. And because they're a lot narrower, you can use those. But one of the things you do need to make sure that you do is cover it with something like a marine carpet or something that's non-slid so your dog doesn't slide ah, and get a little bit freaked out when it's using that um, that ramp. But have a look, you know, go to some of the auto shops and just see what's available. So instead of looking for a specific dog ramp... Yeah, there sh- are some wonderful dog ramps, but again, it's making sure that you're getting the ones that, that suit the vehicle. I know for me, we don't keep them in stock because they, they you know, everybody's car is different. so much. Yeah, so it's important to understand that, you know, some of them will work for you um, on that sideways going into the sedan... Um, but yeah, if you can't find a doggy one, certainly look at um, along the lines of one of your, your motorbike or vehicle small ramps for your car. Great advice. Good luck with that, Jonathan. Happy shopping. <laughs> Pets mental health, we know ourselves that uh, through isolation, we've, we've experienced so many emotions. I only said to my husband this week, I think I'm probably feeling it more now that things are going back to normal than when I did through the isolation, whether it's just a bit delayed now that we're all breathing again. You go, wow, that was hard. But but our pets have felt it as well. Yeah. Well, Sarah, they've been so used to being by our side, you know, and we've it's been a great opportunity for people to get a new puppy or another dog and make them their family member. But the problem is having us around all of the time has made them very clingy. Mm. And, you know, I know that um, some people are having experiences that are really bad with returning to work, that their dogs are doing destructive behaviour, they're barking, they're, they're really drooling, you know, weeing, pooing where they shouldn't, things that are just not working well. Yeah. And we need to look about what it, why it's happening. And the reason is because our dogs have been by our side. We get up and walk to another room, they get up and walk with us. They're clingy, they're really close by us, and we call these dogs Velcro dogs. <laughs> okay, I like that. You like that? Yes. Now, the reason that they're... Um, they're like this is because they've been used to having us there and we have been their leader and that's great but they haven't built confidence in a lot of cases because we're constantly there we get up like I said we leave the lounge we go to another room the dog's by our side so when we're going back to work the dog doesn't know what to do it's suddenly home alone 
things aren't going so well, um, so they get either, as I said, destructive or just the behaviour's not good. Yeah, yes. So what we need to look at is some separation and um, some separation time so that the dog doesn't get anxiety when we leave them for long periods. So going away into another area and leaving them locked out into another room just for five minutes, start slow. Don't try and, you know, sort of cure this problem really quickly. It's going to take time. Also, um, if you are returning to work, there are some things you can do. You can think about asking your neighbour to have your dog for a little bit of the day so that the dog gets, you know, a bit of bonding with your neighbour if you get on well. But just making sure that your dog isn't just left alone with nothing to do. Make sure you get up and go for a walk a little bit earlier. And obviously we've all put on the kilos, so this isn't going to hurt us. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But if we go for a walk, the dog's going to be a little more tired when it comes back and it's probably going to settle a bit more. Another thing when you are leaving, do not rev your dog up by saying, oh, I'm going to work now, I'll see you later, mummy will be home, and pat, pat, pat and cuddles because when you walk out, the dog is going to be absolutely deflated Mm. and then problems start to um, to come around. Some of the the problems that you can see um, with your dogs it's it's you know those things like barking pacing digging chewing that destructive behavior so if you're seeing any of this you know that there's a few problems obviously you've got to try to address them there's a few ways you can do it I know my daughter drops her dogs to us every day and one of her dogs is absolutely ball focused so she doesn't have just one ball she has multiple balls and she'll amuse herself with those now she's not into fluffy toys and a lot of dogs aren't so you've got to work out what toy is good for them? Kongs. You know, a lot of people use Kongs. I know for me, my dog's uninterested in a Kong. I don't know about Gizzy, sir, but Yeah, not overly. No. So you've got to find something that is good for them to keep them stimulated. You know, they need that, that cognitive um, activity to make them, you know, not do behaviours that we don't want. And we want to try and release this anxiety that they're experiencing. There's these wonderful um, dog puzzles that you can get, but, oh, this fantastic thing. You can buy it off the net. They're um, like children's activity blankets. Okay. <laughs> and you, you, they're just fantastic. There's all different types. Some of them have got loopy pile like those fluffy mats you put in your bathroom. Like squeaky things yep. in there. And, and they've got pockets and they've got little um, ruffles on them. And you can put peanut butter or treats in oh, and how hide amazing. things. So they're cognitively doing a lot of good. They're stimulating the dog. Um, so those mats are fabulous for the dog needing an activity. What are they called? Do you know, Cheryl, if people are oh, searching there's Certainly, there's so just, many different okay. types. You know, I'm not going to so name So dog them. activity blankets yeah, yeah. and that and, sort of thing. And, and feed blankets, uh, feed mats. So, feed so, mats, yeah. okay. So they are a great idea. And there's lots of videos of dogs using them. So, again, we're trying to think about what the dog can do when we leave it. And we need to leave them an activity. Otherwise, you know, all of those behaviours come in and, and it's quite, quite... Um, yeah, mental health is so important, just like with us. And I think you mentioned it, probably harder for puppies as well. Um, a lot of people, as you said, have certainly invested in a puppy during isolation because they were home. But these little guys, or, or, a, or a kitten or, a, or another yeah. animal, but yeah. these um, animals know no different. You've been home 24-7, so yeah. for them it's a whole new world. Well, the cats tend to cope a lot better. They quite like, you know, some, some home time, home alone time, whereas the dogs don't enjoy that home alone time quite so much. And and we do need to make sure, though, if you're having trouble and, you know, you really, um, you, you just think, oh, hello, I'm not getting this right, you do need to go and see your vet, get some professional help, because sometimes they may just need a little bit of medication just to help you to overcome those issues. It's Pet Chat on 2 and you are FM. 
Hello, it's Sarah with you, and we now welcome to the studio Dr. Paul McCarthy. Hooray! Hello! It's nice to be back. We did get to catch up with you over the phone. We did, um, yes, d- we during did. During isolation. I, I, got a, I got a bit of my sort of dose required of, of your time, so Paul, thank we you. need your help. Please, come on. But you're and we answered some person. emails in the gap as well. You so, did, and yeah, that was yeah. wonderful. Very appreciated, too, from oh, our pleasure, listeners. Pleasure. A lot of people were just chatting with Cheryl, have, have gone out and got new um, puppies or kittens during oh, I know, isolation. so many new lovely puppies and kittens coming through the work. It's been wonderful. Paul, what will we be chatting about today? Look, I think we'll do eyes today. I've had a lot of eye cases the last couple of weeks, and so I thought we might look at diseases of the eyes, how to know what's important, what's normal, what's abnormal. Sue in Shortland, you've given us a call. You've got a two and a half month old Jack Russell, and you've got some issues travelling. I do. I only have to travel five minutes away, and he is violently ill. I mean, projectile. And he mightn't have eaten for an hour prior to getting in the car. And now he's even running away from me when he knows I'm going in the car. Yeah. Okay, Sue, so there's a couple of possibilities here. So a very small percentage of dogs actually do have true motion sickness. So there are some dogs who genetically have a situation similar to people where they do get car sick. They are by far the minority, though. So the majority of puppies, and particularly in puppies who tend to get car sickness, it's about fear and anxiety of being in the actual vehicle. Yes. So so cars are loud, they're big, they're noisy, they vibrate. And these are all the sorts of things that particularly a small breed dog can find very, very challenging. So what we normally do with these guys is look at trying to do a desensitization program. Uh-huh. So your step one is you get in your car with your puppy and you have some treats. You don't turn the okay. car on, you don't turn anything on, you just sit in the car I've for a few minutes. That. Yeah, and you do that every day for... Oh, sorry. Sit him still, and then I, di- I drove down the driveway and back. And yeah, so in- initially don't even drive down the driveway because I right. think if he's running away from you before you've even tried to get in the car, we yeah. need to make the car look like Disneyland first up. So it needs to be somewhere really safe, really fun to be in. Yes. Um, when he's showing calm behaviour in the car, we pay that with either a verbal reward or it can be a treat if you'd like to. Yeah. If he's showing anxiety, we just ignore that. Now, right. if the anxiety becomes very animated, I'm moving from window to window, I'm panting, the the, the trial stops. It's time to get back yeah. out. We, we, no, we, we've reached threshold. No, he still in – I've got a seat for him, which I bought, and it sits up higher so that he can see out the window. It didn't help either. No, so. sometimes seeing can make it worse. So often yeah. you're actually better to not have visualisation outside the car for some dogs right. with anxiety. And so it's a, it's a process of doing it very slowly in that often what happens is we flood them too soon. So we think, oh, we've done that for a couple of days. We'll do a trip around the, around the block. And what oh. that will often do is, is send you backward again. So that it's might re- be me. Yeah. So it's really important. Uh, look, Sue, for most of our dog problems, it's, it's us who are the problem rather than the dog. We're just okay. not often reading the signs. So take it uh-huh. really slowly with him. I will. Yeah. And so what you're trying to do is actually build up a confidence so yep. that we're actually feeling safe in the car. We don't praise any anxious behaviour. We only praise calm and, and, and you know, nice behaviours. And then over time you'll find that he'll actually get quite excited about being in the vehicle because he gets attention from you and often a treat for being a good dog. So it's yep. about making the, the, the vehicle feel safe. But do yep. it very, very slowly. People try and All rush right. this over a week or two and, and generally you're just making a rod for your own back. 
Okay, that could be me. Okay, thanks for hey, the advice. I'll take it. Good no on problem. you for calling, though, Sue, because, I mean, we don't know these things. That's why, luckily, we get our experts yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really common scenario, stuff. Sue. Lots of puppies when oh, they first okay. come home. Yeah, yeah. most yeah. definitely. Well, good luck All with right. it, Sue, and, and let us know how you go in a, in a month or so. If there's any uh, progress, we'd love to hear it. I will. Thanks a lot. We're talking pet chat four nine two one six two one six. Now we're looking at um, eye conditions. You've seen a lot of mm. those. You said you're very busy at the moment because yeah. there's a, there are a lot of new puppies and kittens and animals. That yeah, people it's been have almost got. A, a renaissance for puppies. We've had so many lovely really? new puppies come through. I think the COVID crisis actually made us realise um, how much enjoying your own time and free time is. And I think for some people it also made them more aware of how there's not a lot happening in their lives and introducing a new member of a family like a puppy or a kitten has has helped so many people through this trying time. I think you're right. And just slowing down and enjoying, for me, it made me go, wow, try and enjoy the time with the kids more and actually be present because it's so easy just to, you know, in, be in a routine that you, you're doing things and you're not even stopping and connecting. So I think a lot of people have probably reached out and thought, I want an animal for this reason. I, I want to enjoy my time and be with something that makes it worthwhile. Absolutely, Sarah. I, th- I think, well, we, we keep talking about this new phrase, the new normal. And I think the new normal is going to be about the fact that we are much more aware that we don't need to work as hard. We don't need to keep pushing ourselves to achieve a level of enjoyment, that there's enjoyment to be had from doing very basic things like like walking your dog. Oh, most definitely. And I hope we remember that. I don't want to just fall back into the old ways. Of yeah, just... we're not putting the bike away just yet. We're going to keep cycling on our weekends. <laughs> good, good job. We're going to go to the phones again. Uh, Michael, I, I'm hoping this is you in Maryland. You've got a question about your dog. Hello, Michael. Hello, have we got anyone there? Hello, is this Michael? Yes, it is. Hi, Michael. You've got a question about your dog. I do. We have a brand-new pug puppy. He's uh, 20 weeks old. Oh, congratulations. Love of my life already. She's made her way to my heart very quickly. But <laughs> when is the best time to take her to puppy training, to get her started on the leash and mm. follow direction? Okay, so there's... Actually, speaking of the COVID crisis, it has been tricky for lots of people with their new puppies to actually attend puppy preschools, which are super helpful for for, for these sorts of things. So most puppy preschools require you to have started generally before the animal is at least 16 weeks of age. So how old is your puppy now? 20 weeks. Okay. So so puppy preschools will now be a bit closed to you as far as the fact that um, the idea of starting training that early is that you've got those real sponges for brains, so they're really trying to learn as much as they can. But there are avenues yep. for you at this stage. So um, without a class, certainly things you should be trying to do at this age is introduce your puppy to as many things in the real world that they'll be exposed to regularly at an age where it's all new and still exciting rather than fearful. So in particular for a pug, um, any of those little guys are often quite nervous of bigger animals, big cars, big trucks, big noises. So one of the things you can really do to help that is that you can take him out with you or her, him or her, sorry. 
Stay with her, yeah. Yeah, her. Is, is have her with you. Uh, it can just be literally at the front of your house. And each time a truck or a, a big bus comes past, um, reward or give a, uh, a, a, a treat. So we're linking a positive with that possibly scary negative. Um, yep. And there's lots of things you can do as far as that socialization. Do it from a distance initially. Let, let your dog decide whether they wish to approach another dog rather than have another dog approach your puppy. Um, it can be quite intimidating for little dogs to suddenly meet mm-hmm. lots of people and dogs out without them being prepared. So initially be from a distance. If your puppy's looking interested and keen to meet the other dog, then certainly allow the other dog to approach. If your puppy is sort of sitting behind you or sort of looking a bit nervous, um, you know, worried expression, maybe just let the, the view occur rather than the contact to occur. Now, as far as formalised training classes, there are classes available for that sort of what we call adolescent period. Um, have a look yep. at the Delta Society. So the Delta Society are a group of trainers who do often adolescent classes and call your local veterinarians as well. I know we often okay, do uh, we do some class like that in our practice. I'm sure lots of other practices that do that. So you're looking for an adolescent class now rather than a puppy class. Fantastic. We definitely want to. We do take it with us now. And she's really good with people and other animals so far. So I just want to get the lead and a few other things sorted. Yeah, so, sure so pugs are food-motivated. Use, use your food for pugs because they, they'll do almost <laughs> anything for a treat. So when you've got your lead in your hand, have the, have the food and the lead almost side by side. And initially the lead is about um, not so much that you're dragging or sort of encouraging with the lead, you're actually encouraging your dog to walk beside you with either praise or the treat. The lead is held very sort of gently and even softly in your hand, so it's just there if you need to, rather than that's what's controlling the movement. Some good advice. 49216216. Let's go to Narelle now in Salamander Bay. A question for Dr. Paul today. Oh, good afternoon. Uh, I've got a shih tzu pup who's six years old, and all of a sudden, the last probably three months, she started sneezing all the time, and like an allergy sneeze, a dust sneeze. Okay. So, is when when the sneeze when the sneeze occurs, Narelle, is there any discharge from the nose? No. It's just a, a dry sneeze. Yeah, yeah. And okay. then she rubs, rubs it like a. A face in the carpet. Yeah. Okay. So there, there, lots of conditions can cause that. A, a sneeze that's been going for more than six months is less likely to be allergic per se, in that often allergies come and go. But there is a disease called allergic rhinitis, which is interesting in that it doesn't often have triggers for the allergy, but it's an inflammation of the nasal passages. If there's no obvious discharge, then I'd be thinking that this might be one of the things you you could be dealing with. The other thing that can cause nasal passage irritation in small breed dogs, particularly the brachycephalic breeds like a Shih Tzu, is dental disease. Is there any evidence of bad teeth at all, Narelle? No, they look pretty good to me. Yeah, so certainly having a vet check those to make sure that there's no abscesses at the base of the roots. Often teeth can look quite good externally, but there may be swellings beneath that, which would indicate that there may be in inflammation. Your, t- your oral cavity and your nasal cavity are very closely aligned by a very small amount of bone. So diseases of the oral cavity can affect the nose. Um, and then lastly, certainly you, c- you-, you can have simple sort of hay fever-like signs that we have. It's just the duration of your sneezing seems to be more than what I would expect with just a seasonal allergy. So I think this is probably a good opportunity to have a chat to your vet, have them examine the nose, and it's really, really helpful for vets with the invention of these new fancy phones, video the sneezing happening. 
it uh-huh. with your phone and show your vet what's physically happening. Because sometimes a sneeze can be a gag. Sometimes a sneeze can be a reverse sneeze, which is actually where the palate's involved, not the nose. So if you can film the action being done, and look, I, I recommend this for anything. If you've got a dog who's doing anything weird, if you video it, your vet can see that because often when a dog gets to the vet, the signs you see at home are often being masked by the pet because they don't want to show any signs of weakness. So um, video the sneezing, have your vet have a look. They'll be able to help you out from there. Hello, welcome. We are talking all things pet because it's Pet Chat. Now we're going to go to Rob who's been waiting patiently in East Maitland. Thank you, Rob. You've got a question for Dr. Paul McCarthy. Yes, I do. How are you? How are you? It's good to hear you all back. Thank you, Rob. Uh, um, I've got a 15-year-old Jack Russell Cross Foxy. Mm-hmm. Um, her name's Sharni. She she, 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 she she got a really nice bed, but she, she chose to sleep in a shoebox for, a, for quite a while. <laughs> um, uh, but I've got a problem, not a problem, but she, I've never seen a dog lose as much hair as this dog does. I wish I could grow it as quick as she loses it. <laughs> um, I can I can I can wash her, towel her down, then I take her outside and put her up on top of the whiz bin and give her another towel dry down with it with a towel and then I I get one of those gloves with all the little rubber nipples on it and give her a really good brushing with that and the top of the whiz bin's covered in in hair and then I give her another rub down with another dry towel <laughs> and she'll raise around the backyard, roll in the grass and, and carry on like a like a rat bag and then she'll go inside and the the, the the black tiles shake and it's a snowstorm. Yeah. So, Rob, you've got two two um, things that are factors in that. One is your breed type. So the breed type combination you have are going to shed all year round. Um, and, and they'll actually have quite a very dense undercoat as well as, as, the, as the guard coat. So there's going to be a lot of hair produced all the time. So that, that will be, be something that we can't fix. That's, that's in the genes. Um, the second thing, actually, and it's an interesting point you bring up, is that because of the very extended dry period we had, the drought period followed by our very wet period currently, is that for lots of dogs and cats, they're not really sure what they should be doing with their coat. So the molt's been very delayed this year. So... Um, um, I hear lots of clients mentioning that they have had a very massive molt now. So if this is a new thing for you, and you're not alone, and lots of people are finding that the molt this season is much greater than it has been previously, and I think that's got to do with the, the season being a little bit unpredictable. But um, one of the things you, you, you did touch on is... Um, you, you can't over-groom. So if, you, if, you're, if you're finding that you've got to do this on a daily basis, um, do so. In the, At the moment, as much of that undercoat as you can get out will make it easier for your dog in that matting is very common in dogs if we don't get that undercoat away. And um, I don't have my partner in crime, Cheryl, to bounce this off, but she'd be aware of the fact that grooming, particularly at molt season, is, is really important to try and prevent that dermatitis that can occur. Yeah, because I've even got one of those um, Firmilator cones. The Firminators, uh, they're fantastic, yeah. Yeah, um, but she doesn't particularly like it. She keeps on trying, she keeps on trying to bite it. Oh, okay. Um, so what you would do with those is you, you again, sensitise them to it. So have some treats ready. When you bring the Firminator out, have a treat ready to give, and you feed, brush, feed, brush, feed, brush. So that you do a short burst, but she's getting lots of good positive re-association with the brushing. And good luck with that, Rob. Thank you for the call. Just had a quick call in uh, to let me know that it is bucketing down in Lampton. We just had a bit of a downpour I saw as it out well. the window. Yeah, yeah, here at Warrabrook. It's moving very fast, though, now. Mayfield, Glendale, Maryland, you're all getting it. It's coming in off the coast. So, yeah, good to see this rain. Uh, let's get through another couple of calls before it is time for the news. We're going to go to Aaron uh, in Metford. You've got a question. 
question about your daughter's dog, Aaron. Yeah, good day. How you going? Well, thank you, Aaron. That's good. Mate, um, my daughter, I've sort of inherited this little white fluffy dog. Um, <laughs> mate, it's a Shih Tzu cross Pomeranian, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, it's losing its hair on yeah. its back. <laughs> yeah, oh. on its back. Okay. Now, look, um, so Pomeranians, and, and again, we need, we need my colleague here, Cheryl. She's all over this sort of stuff. But there are yeah. certain breed types who will have different shedding coats, and it can be very different. Um, you can get hair loss related to the fact that if you groom a dog at the wrong season, the yep. hair the hair shafts won't reform before the next season, um, uh, okay. and that particularly occurs in dogs like Pomeranians, also in dogs which we call the tundra breeds, so the Samoids, the, the Huskies. You need to be very yep. careful when you do groom those guys. If, if you groom them too short at the wrong season, the hair won't grow back in a hurry. Uh, now, yeah, so okay. that's, that, they're the common findings. Now, the second thing that can occur is uh, hormone diseases, so diseases like Cushing syndrome or otherwise known as hyperadrenocorticism, it can also cause what's called symmetrical alopecia, where you lose yeah. hair in a very symmetrical process, and that's due to a disease where the hormones are affecting the shaft growth. So uh, hair okay. follicles can be, be affected at different times in their growth cycle by hormones. Um, yeah. If you're getting a very symmetrical appearance, which it sounds like it may be, that would be a good indicator to have a chat to your local vet about what you're seeing. And the other thing to not rule out, even though we are in the winter, is that fleas particularly love that area from the back of the neck down to the tail base. So if yeah, you're okay. losing hair in that area, um, do a bit of a, a check through. The dense coats like your dog will be hard often to find an adult flea, but make sure your flea treatments are kept up because often our yep. homes are warmer in the winter than they are in the summer. Yeah, and so you, that flea cycle can really continue. Okay. It, it sort of happened to her once before, but not as bad as what it is now. And we changed the food that she was eating to the, to, to the non-grain food stuff. Okay. And it, it seemed to fix it for yeah, a while. Yeah, look, and, and, and certainly alopecia can be can sometimes be allergy-related, allergy so looking at different food types can be helpful as well. All right. Oh, okay. Thanks very All much right. for the call, Aaron. Good luck, Aaron. We appreciate Radio. it. We're going to go to Jan now in Gilliston Heights. A question about your cat for Paul um, today. Yes, uh, I have a new cat. She's um, eight months old, and um, we have to get her to sex. Now, mm-hmm. we heard that... Um, the, uh, there is some free dissexing in July. Is that true? Uh, I'm not aware of that, Jan. I, I know that uh, you, if, if, it, if it's by the RSPCA, I would imagine they'd be the best person to talk to about that. Um, I know lots of practices, um, veterinary practices often do a discounted um, desexing in June, July. And look, um, my own practice is doing that at this time of year. So we do a discount um, in the winter special. So it, Ask your local veterinarian if, if that's the case as well. But I, I would imagine that the people who'd be likely to do a free desexing would be the RSPCA, I would, I would imagine. So contact either Rutherford or um, Ties Hill and, mm-hmm. and they'd probably be able to, to give you advice about that. Or it may even be on their website. But I haven't heard of free desexing, but I know practices like ourselves um, offer a, a, a discounted desexing at this time of year. Okay. And how much is that um, cost normally? 
Oh, I, I don't think I'm probably able to discuss that over the last... You can give, <laughs> a, ball, you can give a ballpark no of, of dissexing, yeah, yeah. or does so it very much vary, it, it can depending. It can vary a little bit on age, um, a little bit on um, if you're a pensioner or not a pensioner. But yeah, you, you, yeah you, I'm you, a pensioner. You, yeah, you're probably looking generally around the sort of 250 to 350, I would imagine, in most vet practices to have a female cat desexed. Okay, all right. All right, Jen. Thank, okay. Thanks very much for the call. Thank you. Oh, pet chat. Well, it's just all the phones went crazy. Sarah, I was expecting to have to talk myself. I thought all our listeners would have had a sabbatical, but they've all come back on in, in with passionate responses, they which is great to hear. certainly have. And one last question, which has come through via the email, and we, we do only have 50 seconds. Uh, an older dog going into winter, should they start the injections to... Oh, for uh, cartrophin for, uh, for their yes, joints? Yes, Yeah, look, arthritis. a really good time to do so. So okay. there are a series of injections, which, which obviously this client's aware of, called cartrophin. Trophin, um, and we give a series of four, one a week for four weeks. And their goal is to try and make those joints move a little bit more freely, in- increase their sort of um, uh, joint fluid in those areas so that these joints work better and often much better started prior to the winter than in the middle of winter. So, so it's, yeah, it's a okay. really good idea. We've had a lot of them come through the last couple of okay, weeks. Okay, so yeah. it's quite timely good time to, do, to do so. Well, there you go. I think that wraps up all of our questions for today. Dr. Paul, so good to have you it's back. It's good to be back. Sarah. Now, do we get you back next week, do you know, or is it David? Or... I would imagine. I think we... Oh. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. I would think know. it would be David next week. Yeah. Okay, beautiful. Well, we'll see you when we see you. And Cheryl, of course, will be back next week as well, as will I. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>